Well, that, that's the thing. We can't really point to any one thing. It was a lot of little things. And, and I think that's that, I think that's probably the biggest lesson when we start talking about digital media, digital marketing, digital content creation. Welcome to the Ministry at Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. Join us as we discuss trends, learn from experts, and share practical tips to help your ministry multiply its digital impact. Well, today I'm excited to have Jonathan Howe. Jonathan is Vice President for Communications at the SBC Committee, and the SBC is the Southern Baptist Convention. And Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us today. No problem, Chad. Good to be here, man. So, so, so tell me, how long have you been working in the digital space? Oh, I mean, I would say that I've, I've been really involved, maybe not in a professional way, but just in a, just a hands-on way, close to 20 years. Um, we're getting to the point where, uh, when I was in college, uh, I graduated about 20 years ago now, gosh, I feel old now. Um, but Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah, but my job, my job when I was in college, I worked in the sports information department at Southern Miss. I went to university of Southern Mississippi and I was the website guy. I ran all the digital, you know, that's when kind of websites were just kind of getting online 98 to 2002 yep. in that range. So, I mean, people are just coming online. Everything was kind of. Yeah, we were using um, I think front page, Microsoft front page. Oh yeah, I, believe, I remember front then. page. Yeah, and and so using that for digital media, digital reporting, those kind of I'm things. I'm so sorry. And, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I know. Well, page. It, it was already set up. I didn't have to build anything in it. I just had to change out the stuff. So, um, you know, using that and and at that time we we kind of started dabbling with podcasts. That was like in the infancy. Like mm. people think, oh, podcasts came along in 2000 you know, 11, 12, that's kind of when they kind of blew up with cereal and all that. And it was like, no, they were, they were happening back 10 years before that. It's just that nobody really knew how to do it yet. And you had real yeah. audio, remember, you know, that Mark Cuban oh, yeah. made all his money on. And um, so, I mean, we, yep. we were dabbling in that and, and really just in the sports space. That's where I was working before. And, you know, that's kind of where I really got my hands dirty in the digital world. And that's kind of evolved over, you know, into blogs, whenever they, they rose and, and social media and its rise and, you know, 2005, 2010, almost respectively on those two. And, uh, and now, you know, I'm, I'm running a communication shop for the largest Protestant denomination in North America. So, so, so how did that transition go? Cause you've obviously always had an interest or leaning towards digital, but you went from working division one sports athletics department to ministry space. Talk yeah. to us about how that transition, how that calling, how that calling happened. Well, I mean, I, I was been involved in the church. I'm a PK. My dad was a pastor. Wow. So I've been involved in the church whole life. Met my wife at a college Bible study um, and while we were at Southern Miss and everything. We got married right after I got done with school. She was in seminary. And so, you know, I had this dream of working in college sports or pro sports, something like that. So we're going down that, you know, while she's in seminary, she's working like part time at a church. And we had a couple of kids along the way. And I had gotten to where I was working with the uh, Birmingham Barons in double A baseball. So minor league baseball, I think everybody needs to have a stint working in minor league baseball because you <laughs> learn to do like, you learn everything you learn, you learn to sell, you learn to market, you learn digital, you learn communications, you because the staffs are so small, you're, you're asked to do your stretch so thin, but you get to learn everything and you get to mm -hmm. learn promotions and you get it just, it's, it's a great training ground, I think, for, for marketing, for communications, digital, or, you know, in, in person kind of event space, yeah. I think. So, um, 
working in that and got a phone call randomly. So we had moved to Birmingham and I'd come on with the Barons and I'd sent out a bunch of resumes because my wife took a job at a church in Birmingham. So we'd moved to Birmingham and I get a call out of the blue from a Christian publisher saying, Hey, we've got a, a job open. Uh, and you know, we had your resume from when you sent it in, would you be interested in talking? I was like, well, I'm working 80 hours a week for barely any money in minor league baseball and I'm enjoying it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've got two kids at the house. One, you know, just been born. And I'm like, let's see a 40 hour week job, better pay, better hours, more family time, more church time or this. So it was, it was a no brainer, honestly. Um, yeah. so move into that space, into the Christian publishing space, really. And then which, I was can I ask marketing, which publisher, which publisher, uh, New Hope publishers. New Hope. Okay. Um, so, and, uh, so started working with them and they're, they're kind of affiliated SBC wise. So mm-hmm. making connections with any Southern Baptist convention. And then I was there for about three or four years and wound up at Lifeway, uh, just through some connections, running social media and, uh, digital advertising, marketing and everything, uh, for the president and the vice presidents there. And then went on, you know, Dr. Rayner, I worked with him for almost a decade, uh, 2011 to 2019. Uh, he was a president at Lifeway and we built a pretty substantial online presence, uh, over our, our course together over that time. And then, uh, whenever this job came open in 2019, I moved into this role over here at the executive Good. committee. So, so just talk to us about everything that you, you work oversee and work with at the executive committee as the VP for communications. Yeah, well, we have one of the largest uh, religious news outlets in America, hmm. uh, Baptist Press, uh, which mm-hmm. is a fully online daily news publication uh, syndicated across a bunch of state papers and other outlets as well. Um, I, I kind of oversee that. I don't run the day-to-day of that. George Schroeder runs that for me. Um, George, a former uh, USA Today sports writer and just great guy, real big ministry heart. And come, mm-hmm. he came in and uh, with some editorial and journalistic chops and really has helped us out a lot uh, running Baptist Press. And we've seen some tremendous growth uh, just in the, and I've only been here about 18 months. Uh, last year, you know, the full year, first full year here, we, we had a 26% increase in our, in our page views from the year before. Um, so what would you, what would you attribute that to? Well, that, that's the thing. We can't really point to any one thing. It was a lot of little things. And, and I think that's, that, I think that's probably the biggest lesson when we start talking about digital media, digital marketing, digital content creation. Yeah. There's really not a silver bullet. It's, it's usually a confluence of five or six little things that you do mm-hmm. like better emails, better timed emails, better formatted emails uh, on our daily stuff. We have, we went from one email in the afternoon after everything was over, kind of at night when people weren't really checking their email. We added a morning briefing, uh, which is basically a, r- a quick rundown in the mornings of everything with kind of some fun things thrown in. We have a history moment that we put in that. It's not in the afternoon rundown. That's just straight information in the afternoons. And do some sports stuff in the morning, which has really been engaging. Hmm. And it's funny, the sports thing is, is um, you know, it's kind of, I mean, I've got the background, George is here. I mean, like we, yeah. we love sports and we're guys, whatever. Um, but we, we've used the sports thing. The sports thing, it's, it's funny. It's like the most, um, it's, the, it's the, the hot and the cold. Like people either love it or hate mm-hmm. it. I get more complaints about the sports section and also more compliments about the sports section because people like, I just, you know, I open up the email every morning just to see what you're telling us about what's going on in the sports world. And I read the other stuff too. And then I get the emails. Well, I, I wish you'd take that out. I'm not, I'm unsubscribing because I can't stand that you're putting sports in there. And nine times out of 10, whenever that's the case, it's because we're talking about, you know, there's been a protest for black lives matter or something like that, you know, at a sports thing. So we, we mentioned that, you know, 
the MLS restarted and all the players are taking a knee or the NBA restarted and they're wearing, you know, the, the things across their back, like they were, you know, the little, the sayings yep. across the back on the, the name plates instead of their names. And that's whenever I would get the, the most hate, but it happens. Um, you know, the politics, when politics yeah. and sports collide, yeah. people kind of get um, upset, which, you know, either way. So, so uh, how do you, how do you handle when you're getting, getting conflicting recommendations how, how how what is your grid that you go by to know what to listen to and what not to listen to well that's a good question number one is do we still enjoy doing it or is it a pain for me if i'm doing something and it's a chore and i'm getting criticism about it or what you know people are not really enjoying it then that would be one thing if it's something i really enjoy and that people are actually you know if it's all if it's all one-sided that's one thing but if i'm getting yep. mixed you know yeah. con, you know confusing Those are tough ones reports, right it's like, well, do we still enjoy it? Is it taken away from our total message? No, we, we do enjoy it. It's not taken away from our message. Is it, is it helping us draw readers and draw people mm -hmm. engagement? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, then let's keep doing it. Uh, you know, people, yeah. they don't have, it's at the bottom. You don't have to read all the way to the bottom. Stop at item number five. Don't get to item number seven. Okay. So, yeah. you know, it's, you know, we, I understand that some of the people have concerns or, you know, criticisms of it. That's fine. But there's also a lot of people that, that love it and think it's yeah. great. So. So I get more, I, I, that's the one thing that's like the, the one thing I get more comments about than anything on those morning emails. Well, I, I love what you just said about you had a, you have a grid of, of a, a way to be able to, to measure whether something is effective or not. I know mm -hmm. when I was working inside of a ministry, large international ministry, young guy, probably, I think I started in 97 webmaster, same, same title as, as you mentioned. And I remember you know, you had all these departments, you had the fundraising department, you had the marketing department, you had the ministry, it was a radio ministry, everybody coming saying, we want this on the website, we want this on the website, we want this on not just on the website, but on the homepage. And so it was really important to create a grid by which I would just ask them, okay, well, you know, it doesn't meet our, does it reach our, what percentage of their audience is it going to reach? I just had a grid to be able to filter things through to help then make a decision. Well, yeah, you're right. It probably doesn't need to be on the homepage or mm -hmm. yeah, we can put it someplace else. So I think for, for, for leaders in the digital side of ministry, having that grid to be able to know how to say no and know what to say yes to is, is really, really critical. Well, yeah, I would even say that not just on the digital side, because in the digital side, there's, you're only constrained by what you can accomplish. You're not constrained by space per se. Yeah. Um, you know, in some instances you are, but like you can always do one more tweet. You can always do one more Instagram post, but you're constrained on really how much you can do personally. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I can't get to 45 things a day. I can do 35 or whatever your number of whatever it may be. Uh, I don't recommend 45 Instagram posts a day. That would be terrible. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, I'm just using a, a random number, but you know, and it's a little bit easier whenever you get to the print side of things. But the problem is on the print side of things, because the real estate is so demanding or so constrained, then you really have to have those grids. Those grids are very important on a print or a physical side. Because I mean, I'm just thinking like church bulletins, like yeah. what goes in your church bulletin? Yeah. You, that's, a, that's a huge discussion in a lot of churches yeah. that people have to really understand that, you know, we can put everything on the website, but not everything on the website needs to wind up in the bulletin. And you've yeah. got to have those grids. You've got to have some kind of triage um, in, and not, and not just in the physical product space, you know, with a bulletin or something like that, a newsletter, a magazine or something like that, that you may do for a ministry, but also on a website, because you can only get to four or five, six things a day, whatever it is, you've got to be able to triage those. You've got to be able to decide, 
and put those through lenses and, and say, you know, what's our biggest impact? Where is it hitting our main audience? Is it something that I enjoy, but the audience doesn't? Yeah. Um, and I, I see a lot of ministries where they get in trouble where they do things that they like instead of what the audience likes. And if you're doing that, you're, you're missing your audience. Yeah, that's, that's so critical is we may have some passion about something, but, but if it's not hitting the mark and like in your case, you are passionate about sports and I, yeah. I play college sports as well. So I, you know, I, I can be right in there with you. Um, but being able to listen to the audience and be able to determine whether this is a good thing or tone mm-hmm. it back or put it at the bottom of the page or all those things is yep. that's, that's, that's really good to listen. What, what other, um, I'd say tools or mechanisms or, or uh, uh, do you have in place to be able to listen to the audience? What, what kind of things do you use for that? Um, well, a lot of ours, I mean, I, I still have a little bit, I don't manage the day-to-day of it yep. on social media, but I still, I don't manage it, but I still watch it. Yeah. And I think okay. that's an important thing, I think, for a lot of leaders, especially when you get up hmm. maybe the C-suite level, uh, whatever that may be in your organization. So, you know, me being a vice president here, I don't have the day-to-day responsibility of tweeting out stuff or putting it on yeah. Facebook. I've got guys to do that, you know. Um, but I still am engaged in the, the obser- or observing, um, you know, mm-hmm. watching things, listening, like you're talking about. I, I still have to keep myself engaged with that because if I don't, it's going to affect what I'm deleting the content creation to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, if, I, if, I'm leading, if I'm kind of oblivious to what the audience is saying and what's going on in the public conversations around what's going on in the SBC, then that leads me into problems because we start creating content in a vacuum. Yeah. And whenever you start doing that, you start bringing unnecessary criticism on yourself because you, you look foolish or you yep. look like you don't, you're not in touch um, or you create content that nobody's wanting. So you need yeah. to listen for what they're not just what your audience wants, but what your audience doesn't want. Because if yeah. you're creating content that they don't want, and they get upset about it, that's going to cause problems just as much as you for creating content that they don't want and don't care about. So mm-hmm. those are, you know, it's, it's one thing for them not to care. It's another for them to not like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and listening is key for both of those because you need to know what they want and how they want it. And, and the how is just as important a lot of times as the what. Uh, when, we're, when we're creating things, are we, do we need to create video? Do we need to create audio? Does it mm-hmm. need to be more visual? Does it need to be written? Um, it's downloadable or just, you know, on a static web page, those kind of things. So you got to think through those things. It's not just what content we're creating, but what, what, what's our delivery platform for it as well. Yeah. Yeah. But with, with all the delivery platforms that you guys are, are in, whether it's social media, the website, even, I think you got some print stuff going out too. Yep. Uh, specifically on the digital side, how do you measure success for all of the, uh, all the digital things that you're, that you're running? Well, Page views and downloads, I mean, those are still the benchmarks. Yeah. Um, we're still looking at that. And then also just you, you have other metrics because a lot of times, um, you know, for instance, we're, we're looking at uh, an annual meeting this year. We're trying to hold an annual meeting. We didn't have, have one last year. Uh, everything got canceled last year. I think everybody's mm-hmm. meetings and everything got canceled. If you had it after March the 1st, basically, you yep. didn't have a meeting last year. Um, but we we're trying to hold one of those this year. And one of the things we're looking at is engagement in our uh, our social media, our video series that we're doing pre uh, pre event, and also how that's re- re- reflected in our pre registration. 
So pre-registration for our annual meeting this year is about double what it was last year. Some of that's just because there's some anticipation for certain things, or there's a, you know, longing to, to make this happen when we didn't get to have it last year. I think there's, you know, a little FOMO going on with people because um, they didn't, we weren't able to meet last year. So they're like, we got to be there this year kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think it's also, we're seeing engagement. We're seeing video watching, you know, we're, more people engaging our podcast, more people engaging our websites, those kind of things. So we're watching those and it's, and those aren't really the big metrics that we're watching. We're watching the lag metric is the, um, is the, the registration numbers. Mm -hmm. So, but we know that we have to do these three or four things. And that's kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier with Baptist press. It wasn't one thing. I mean, I can't make page views happen, but I can do three or four things throughout the day and change the the flow of the website, the look of the website, the, the use of, art, you know, we, we use a lot better pictures, things like that. We know we can do those things to make it more engaging yeah. to see those results. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's I, kind of part of it. And you, you just mentioned like lag, like you're really referring to the lead and lag metrics. You've got some lead metrics and four, dis- the four, four, uh, four disciplines is a book that talks about that. Yeah. The, uh, the lead and lag metrics. So, so do you, as a team, do you have like lead metrics that you're looking at that you like levers that can can impact or or is it hey we just know we need to make better quality and as we make better quality it's uh we know that's going to drive the lags what's well, a, a little bit of both um the quality we always have to concentrate on that uh, and this is not something we really sit around and talk about as a team it's kind of inherently baked into how i lead and and yeah. how we kind of do the direction that we go um here at the office but it, it's really i mean we start with quality we want quality first um because that that was something whenever I came into this role that, you know, again, listening to the audience, quality, uh, timeliness, those kind of things mm-hmm. were at that time, you know, seen as lagging. So mm-hmm. something we wanted to address, wanted to improve the technology, improve the quality, improve, improve the, the timeliness of what we're doing around here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we did that. And then, so once we address, address those things, the timeliness, the quality and the, um, the technology, mm-hmm. then we can focus on story mix. And, and basically when I talk about that, it's what, what content we create. So um, we're doing Baptist Press, we're doing news stories, we're doing news articles. So it's what stories will we tell? What news events will we cover? Those are the kind of things. And it's just what are the things that people really want to read about? I mean, there are some great things that I get sent across my desk every day that we say no to, mm-hmm. even though they're great things, because I know nobody's going to read it. And And I'm not saying it's not important because we don't read it, but we only have a certain amount of time and a certain amount of resources to dedicate to a story. So we've got, I mean, it goes back to what we talked about at the top triaging things and knowing, all right, I've got to put my best person on this story because it's the most important thing. Sure. And it's, and and we do some, some stories that they don't get a lot of traffic. I mean, sometimes that just happens, you know, there's just not enough interest in there, but at the same time, we know what kind of things are triggers for really popular stories. We've seen it, with headlines, we've seen it with the the type of stories, we've seen it with who's involved in the stories, those kind of things. So, um, whenever those opportunities present themselves, you know they kind of rise to the top of our priority list because we know that's something that the audience is really asking for and wanting for, and we yeah. see that in in those lag metrics that you're talking about. Yeah, no, yeah, that's 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 really good. So, so you when you you came in, you you really you were working through a change process because this is how it was done. Now you yep. had a vision for what you wanted to do and you identified the first strategy as addressing the technology, addressing the timeliness, addressing the quality. 
just just walk us through how that you know as leaders, especially in the digital space where things are changing continually, how do you foster the ability for an organization to change and respond to the needs well? Um, well, this, this is a pretty tough answer um, because sometimes the things you have to change are the people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a really unfortunate downside of some things. Um, we, we changed some personnel um, and, and that was, that was needed at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and there was a lot of, there was a lot of change, not just in my area. I'm talking about like the, the, um, entity wide. I mean, our, yeah. our entity, I think we have about 32 employees. And when I got here, I'm like one of the most senior people on the staff now of mm. like 20 new people. Mm. So the, the ones that are still here are mostly assistants and things like that. I mean, there's been a complete restructuring, complete overhaul of the staff. Um, sure. Our entire leadership team, with the exception of one person, has been here less than two years. Mm. So, you know, whenever you can change people like that, you can really turn things around quicker. Now, could have been done with the same people, probably. But, um, you know, things changed in, in personnel-wise. Personnel is is key. I mean, and, and it's also hiring well. Um, yeah. You know, that's something that I... I think every leader wants to think that they, they hire well. I, I think I do. I think I did. I mean, I, I hope my people would think that I hired well here, but um, you know, and, and it's also putting people in the spots to succeed. So when I came in, I noticed right away, um, there were a couple of people that were on our team who were like way more capable than mm -hmm. what they'd been asked to do in the past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was, I mean, it, it's one of these dead serious. I had a phone call with one of my, the associate director now or associate vice president now, Amy, Whitfield that works for me, like on day one, and she hadn't started yet. She, we were still in the process of bringing her on. And I called her and I said, you know, I, I said, you know, I was talking about this one team member. I was like, this girl is a rock star and mm -hmm. she makes everything tick. And it took me one day to figure that out. And yeah. she's now like the, the other girl that I'm talking about, she has, uh, I say girl, she's older than I am. She's a woman. Uh, but she has risen up in our ranks and is one of our, one of my top trusted people now. And she was yeah. just buried before. And it's, yeah. it's just kind of recognizing the talent and putting them in a place um, to succeed. And, and that's something that I think leaders often don't, you know, you come in, you want to just change everybody. Well, there's a lot of talent already on the team here. And, you know, only about half my team is new, maybe a little bit more than that, 60%, I guess. Um, but we, we, you know, I, I sat down and kind of met with all of them and really just by spending about an hour each, with each individual um, employee when I first came on, like within my first week, I was able to like notice, all right, this person is like way underutilized. Sure. And the creativity, and, and that was one of the things too, is like, you know, what do you, what do you think, where could we do? And the ideas that they had, and we've implemented a lot of them. And when you start implementing somebody's ideas, who's been here and been thinking, you know, hey, we should be doing this, we should be doing this. When they start seeing they get done, well, they buy in in a heartbeat. Yeah. And um, yeah. the team camaraderie has been great over the last year and um, year and a half. And, and we've, you know, we have made some personnel changes, but at the same time, it's, it's listening again, going back to what we talked about with listening to the audience and creating stuff for them, listen to your yeah. employees, listen to your people yeah. and put them in positions to succeed, change the titles. I changed three or four different people's titles. Uh, you know, when I came in because their title, and, you know, whenever you sat down and you asked them, right. what do you do? It's like, well, that's not, that's not what that, title means like why don't you have a title that sure. matches what you actually do and the sure. confidence they get from just changing their title 
to what they actually do. I mean, it's just like the light goes on and they're ready to go. So yeah, that, that was a huge bonus for me. I mean, I've got some really talented people. We brought in some super talented people as well. And, um, that's, that's been a big, big part of it. Now that's, I mean, what you just talked about is the really classic Jim Collins, get the right people on the bus first and then get them on the right seat on the bus. Um, you see what I read, any, don't you? <laughs> for any, uh, any key changes. So, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, you know, and I, I really, I appreciate you saying that because a lot of times working inside of a ministry, you, you, you have this, like, you don't want to hurt people. And yeah, well, I don't a, want to hurt people either. Well, none of us Come want on, to hurt Chad. people. <laughs> well, I think, I, but I, I've heard people say that, but I think the reality is, is that love is doing what's best for the other person. Yeah. And and sometimes what's best for the other person is help them. I really love find a position people. where they can, <laughs> where they can succeed. Yeah. You know, because uh, sometimes you can wait too long to make some of those changes. Yeah. And I've, I myself have probably been guilty of that at times. Yeah. And, uh, well, no, I, I was, I was good. really fortunate. I, I knew a lot of these people before I came mm-hmm. in, I had relationships. I mean, this is, this wasn't like a, I'm walking in cold to a new organization. That that's yeah. probably a lot different. I, I was able to walk in. I knew the organization. I knew the leader. Sure. I knew the direction. I knew what needed to be addressed. And I'd been kind of around it for about five years seeing the behind the scenes kind of stuff. So when I walked yeah, in, yeah, yeah. now did I walk into some surprises that I didn't know about? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you do that with every organization. Um, but you know, it's, it's almost like, this is a, this analogy is going to break down, but it's like whenever you're dating your wife before you get married and like, you know, when you get married, you, you, you still know how to treat her and you still know how to respond and how to interact with her and everything. That hasn't changed, but there are some things that you don't know whenever you get married that, you know, you didn't know whenever you were engaged or dating or whatever, you know, that still happens. This is, that's kind of what happened here. It's just, I knew everything. I knew kind of the basics, how to get along and how, you know, what the responsibilities were. You still find some surprises when you get in there. You know, the big picture, but then as you peel back the onions, you know, there's, you never, there's always a few surprises that you'll find. So, yes. Yep. You you know, you mentioned um, engagement. And uh, the the importance of of uh, engaging the audience at at Five Q, we talk about what we call the five multipliers of digital impact, um, and it's not you know a lot of people think of the funnel. This really isn't the funnel. We we actually we like to think of as lead metrics and levers that you can pull yeah. of awareness, engagement, conversion rates, average value, and retention. And uh, you know you you've already talked about engagement. But as you think about, especially on the digital side, where do you find uh, of those of those five awareness, engagement, conversion rates, average value, and retention? Where do you find you encouraging your team to give more attention to? Run through them again. Yeah, awareness. So getting people to your digital yeah. area, engagement. You know, that's the email, getting them back, yeah. engaging with them. Uh, conversion rates. So what? What? How do we define success, and how often are people doing that? Uh, average value and value could be monetary value, but it could also be, uh, you know, there's a spiritual value too that you can, yeah. that you can measure. And then retention, how, like on a money side, how often are they coming back to make that second don- donation and those kind of things. So, so awareness, engagement, conversion rates, average value and retention. And as you, you know, pull those different levers, the bottom line, that league, me- the lag metrics will, will increase. Yeah. Well, I think the two that we probably don't, 
pay a lot of attention to here really are like number three and number four, hmm. um, the two that you mentioned there. So, I mean, not conversion that we don't. Rate and average value. I mean, conversion yeah. rate and average value. Those, I mean, because we're not, I'm, I'm not looking to drive money per se. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, conversion rate is important because we want people like there are different things that we do here that we're trying to convert people to, um, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm looking at, at link clicks and things like that. And that's part of engagement too. Those kind of, you know, interlink there. But I would say that the thing that we are trying to do the most is retention. Um, sure. Other than, I mean, the first two, I think are, are really important too. I mean, the awareness, yeah. the engagement. Those are obvious. I think that's baked into everything you do as a communications person yep. is awareness and engagement because you want to make people aware of what you're doing. You want them engaged in the content you're putting out. I think of the other three, the one that we would probably, I'd probably say that we focus the most on is retention because I want people to be involved. Um, yeah. We started a podcast. I started a podcast about six years ago with mm -hmm. uh, Amy Whitfield, who I talked about a minute ago, who's my associate vice president now. Uh, mm -hmm. We started a podcast when we weren't here basically doing what we're doing now while we weren't here um, because we wanted to see people engage in the process. I know it goes back to engagement, but we want to see people yeah. stick around. We yeah. want to see people re retained and, and not just think that, you know, I can engage in the SBC or what's going on in the SBC two days a year in June and then check out for the rest of the year. Yeah. We wanted to see them. We wanted that retention, that weekly you know, coming back for more, coming back for yeah. more, coming back for more. Yeah. And that's kind of what we've done too with the Baptist Press stuff this year. It's like trying to get our, not just, you know, our audience numbers up or our, our email list numbers up. Yeah, that's great. You know, we want that. We want click rates up. We want open rates up and everything. But we want to see people sharing it. We want to see people um, being more involved in what's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, it, it's been a kind of a tumultuous year, honestly. I mean, it's, there's mm -hmm. a lot of things going on in the convention right now and um, kind of wondering where things are going to head in the future. There's a lot of questions out there from a lot of different people and a lot of different, a lot of different answers uh, mm -hmm. that some people would like and some people wouldn't. So um, yeah. it's just, you know, it's, it's something that we, we have to, we have to compete with a lot of noise and for people to retain us as a kind of the, the de facto, arbiter of truth. Um, that, that's important for us. And that's something that we're really pushing toward. And, yeah. and that goes a lot in the retention is having them come back to us. Yeah. So they see something, they don't just believe it right away, but they come and they check what we say. And sure. that, that, you know, that engagement continues over and over. Yeah. Yeah. So, so working with a relatively uh, uh, um, newer staff, like you didn't say it, but I'm assuming some of the, you've got some young blood in there. How do you encourage your team to test new ideas and how do you measure whether a, a new idea is worthwhile hanging on to or letting go? Well, that's a, that's a good question. We, we do some of that through, you know, through our social media stuff. And I, I, I've got a really creative guy doing our digital media and okay. I, I, my, I'm always encouraging, Hey man, I, you know, just come up with something, you know, just surprise me. Um, yeah. You know, I, I have a vision of, you know, what this may look like in my head, but Hey, come, come up and, you know, figure it out. The same thing with my creative director. I mean, I always tell him like, look, man, be creative with this, be creative. I just tell him, you know, it's, I, don't do this in the way that you think I'm going to like it. Mm -hmm. Do it in a way that you think is going to be creative, engaging for people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll see what it, what happens. And sometimes I'm surprised by the creativeness that they come up with. Um, the creativity around here is, is good. And we also, you know, as far as the news side of things, we're always, you know, I'm pushing 
all the staff, we have an all staff meeting every morning at 8.30. Um, mm -hmm. We do it on Zoom. We used to do it in my office before COVID and now it's on Zoom. But we, we do a quick rundown meeting of the day to know what we're going on and to kick around ideas for the future stuff. This involves everybody on the team, hmm. not just the people that are doing news. Yeah. Um, so we'll have how, how ideas. Long is that meeting? How long is that meeting? 30 minutes? Okay. Yeah, 30 so minutes. It's not, we just, do, uh, we it's not just a stand-up update. You're actually bat batting around ideas as well. Yeah. Yeah, okay. we're batting around ideas. We, we do. We yeah. start with a little prayer time, you know, kind of a... Yeah. You know, we'll talk about what's going on in the world or what the, you know, people are doing. We usually five to 10 minutes on that. And then we'll do, um, uh, you know, 20 minutes on what's going on. What do we have for the day? What's our, our rundown? And then, you know, what are we working on for it? Do you know, anybody seen anything? Because, you know, the, yeah. the guy that runs, you know, the creative director, he may think, hey, you know, I, I saw this or my church did this or I saw a church on TV or whatever it is, you know, you know I heard from my friend. Cause that's the cool thing. These people that I've got working for me, they've got relationships around the country. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you know, the video guy may have an idea about, Hey, we, you know, I saw this or I was talking to so-and-so at such and such church and they're doing this. And it's like, that's a great, that's a great story. I mean, we've had, you know, my, my assistant is sitting in the, the next office here. She came in one day and was like, hey, I saw this thing on TikTok, and this guy is like playing pianos and he's like mixing these old hymns with this thing. And we're like, that's pretty cool. Show it to us. So she showed it to us turns into a story. It's wow. like, you know, just, you know, yeah. th those are the kind of things that, and, and when, once you start using it, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Once you start using people's ideas, they start bringing more. Yeah. And, yeah. and when you start encouraging and you foster that of the ideas yeah. can come from anybody and I'm not the, the guy who's driving all the ideas, but it takes a lot of pressure off of me, number one, yeah. but it also, it, it encourages and, and motivates the team. Yeah. I think you're an advantage too, where you're in an environment where, Every day you're driving new content, not just like one blog post. Yes, you're tell me about lots it. Lots of new articles. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's the double-edged sword, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it can kind of be the uh, the tail that wags the dog, but at the same time, it gives you an opportunity to, hey, yeah, let's let's try it, let's run with it, see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and hey, you know what? If if it if we go down a road and it doesn't work out into a story, okay, yeah, yeah we'll go yeah. down the next one. It's like yeah. you know, there's going to be a new a new new day tomorrow. You know, his mercies are new every morning. And, yeah, um, yeah. and some days you, you wake up and you go, where are those mercies? Cause I need them today. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's really good. I, you know, you know, Jonathan, I love talking with you who is somebody who is in upper management and how you actively foster the ideas to, to come from the team. And uh, especially like what you've said multiple times, you know, when, when you start implementing or saying, yeah, run with it, you know, that, that almost like, like, <laughs> turns open the spigot and encourages folks to, to, to keep trying new things. I, mm -hmm. I think that's really good for, um, for anybody who's leading, especially in the digital space to, to, to be able to, and myself to be able to, to be able to hear that. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. Well, I mean, people who are creative and are creating content, they want to be encouraged in their creation yeah. and, and yeah. not stifled and not the last thing I want is an, uh, is a writer or a social media guy or a graphics guy or a video guy, whatever. To come in and go, oh, I got to do another one of these today. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want that at all. I mean, I, I want to create an environment where that never happens. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I ran, um, and I'll brag on Dr. Rayner a little bit, uh, Tom Rayner, who I worked for over at Lifeway. Mm -hmm. I worked for him for about nine years mm -hmm. and I never had a real bad day. I, I like to tell people I never had a bad day. Because it was always fun. I mean, it was always an interesting day. We always did. And we did the same thing. Like we had a, we had a set routine on the blog 
and his podcast and blog schedule that was set for about seven years. I mean, sure. it was the same thing every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and it never got old hmm. because the content was fresh every day. The, the, we had fun doing it. We had fun creating it, uh, brainstorming, ideating and all that. And yeah. we had a blast and it was, it was a fun job, even though it was the same thing every day Sure, because creativity was encouraged. Ideas were encouraged. And, you know, it, it just became, you started seeing everything through these lenses mm -hmm. and it just became, it, it becomes easy after a while. It's, it's a 10,000 hour thing, the Malcolm Gladlock. Yeah. Um, I mean, you start doing, you start doing stuff. Did I get that? Gladwell, Malcolm Gladwell. I was Gladwell. like, that's not yeah. the right name. Yeah. Malcolm Gladwell. Um, you start doing it over and over and over. It just start becomes natural. Yeah. And I mean, that, that is so true because I mean, doing, you know, I've done, I think I'm closing in right at a thousand podcasts now. Um, okay. so, I mean, I, I sit on, sit in there, you know, we crank the podcast up on Friday every day, every week with Amy and it's just like clockwork, man. We've done hmm. 213 or whatever it is of those I've done 600, yeah. 700 with Dr. Rayner, 800, something like that with Dr. Rayner. So I'm like close to a thousand. You spend that kind of time, that's 500 hours on average or roughly, you know, that's a lot of time on a podcast yeah. um, and doing that with editing and everything, planning and all. There's your 10,000 hours right there. Yeah. Um, you do, you know, do that. And I mean, it's, it's a lot and, and, and you get used to it and you, you have fun with it. So you know, no, that's, create an environment where people enjoy it. That, that's actually something I've told my kids in terms of, you know, you see somebody who plays a piano great or is really good in athletics. So they may have the talent, but they didn't get to where they were without the practice, without the 10,000 hours. And uh, it's, it's uh, the, 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 the thing that separates the professional from the amateur is becoming okay with the, the drudgery of doing the same thing every day especially when you can challenge yourself. So it's not drudgery. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, no, that's, that's really good. What do you do in the set setting situation where somebody brings an idea where you just, you want to encourage them at the same time, you, you your gut is telling you it's not the best idea. How do you, how do you, as a leader, how do you work through something like that? Um, this happens and this does happen. I mean, we, when you're putting out as much content, we have, there are some bad ideas. Yeah. Um, everybody says there's no such thing about there's bad ideas. There's just, I, and honestly, I, I, I mean, I don't know what my team would say, but I, I make decisions kind of quickly a lot of times, especially yeah. on like small things. Like I don't make big decisions quickly. You know, I don't like tell my wife, all right, we're moving, you know, up and moving to Montana. <laughs> I don't do that. Um, we, we talk about things. We pray, you know, we yeah. do that. Yeah. but the day, the day to day basic, you know, decisions that we make on stories, sometimes we miss them. Cause I don't think it's a good idea. And yeah. I, I just, I just say it's how, you know, I don't, we don't need to do that. And just when you're honest with people and you don't give them that false hope, I mean, mm. after a while, you know, and we know each other now, you know, it's this first few months, it was like, well, you know, cause that can lead to some stifling creativity and that can lead to people being mm -hmm. hesitant to share. But honestly, I mean, I think once they, once we kind of got to know each other and they saw I'm going to shoot straight and we're going to make a quick decision and I'm not going to beat around the bush forever. Yeah. It's like, all right, let's go. And it's like, okay, well, I'll go back to the well. I, it, it, it's something that you have to foster. I think you can't just mm -hmm. like be a jerk about like, hey, that's a terrible idea. No, because mm -hmm. you know, that's going to shut down the entire team. Mm -hmm. um, but just kind of working that, working through that. I don't know how I did it. I mean, that's just, just an instinct kind of thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, but, but I do think that you can't be afraid as a leader 
you can't be afraid to say no to bad ideas. Yeah. But at the same time, you need to do it in a way that it won't stifle the next good idea. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. I don't, oh, it's absolutely. easier to say that than to explain it. But yeah. but that's kind of what it's kind of what you have to watch. It's one of those you know it when you do it, and you know it when you do it wrong. <laughs> and and a lot of times you do it wrong a lot more often at the beginning than you do it right. And still, yeah. you know, I don't. I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm not saying that. I I probably made that mistake this week probably on a couple yeah. of things. But you 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 also learn. All right, that one's a little off the rails, and that's got potential to go sideways. We're staying away from that. No. Yeah. And you know, and people understand it, and they move on. How how much do you engage your team in helping that process? I'm just thinking of like Pixar and one of their things. They used to have this council where they would review the movie, and everybody in that council would give input for the folks. Do you do is or is it is it? Do you feel like it's you making those editorial decisions, or how much is the team involved in that? Uh, well, every story goes through about three levels of editing. Okay. Um, and you know, I usually see a raw draft on the front end and I, I only check for a couple of things depending on the story. Obviously some stories are a lot more important to be, you know, looked over with a fine tooth comb than others. Yeah. Um, if you're just, if it's just a generic ministry story, this is happening at this church and so-and-so it's like, cool. All right. You know, I'll just check it out. I, I, I have a couple of things that I check mainly is the, the headline, the lead and the photo. Okay. Those are the things that I really focus on on the front end because mm-hmm. we, if we, we got to get those right at the beginning or it's going to be a problem as we go on in yep. the editing process. So I want to make sure the artwork's good. I want to make sure the, the headline is good and engaging and I want to make sure the lead is strong. I don't yep. want to bury it. Um, so, yeah. you know, those are the things I look at right away. we got a copy editor that kind of goes through it. Uh, managing editor looks at it. And then George, our general, you know, BP editor, he does one final, thing on it. And then, you know, if it's a big story, I get involved in that okay. a couple of steps along the way, but usually I'm just looking at when something come, pops in my inbox, the story for today, I'm, I just check the headline, check the artwork and, and that's sure. it and move on. Cause those are the little things that I, I kind of carry care more about because I have a way it plays on social media and, and yep. how people are going to perceive it. Cause yeah. you know, no matter what you try, people just read the headline and they <laughs> comment away. Yeah, people don't read on the web; they scan. Yes, and, uh, those, so those, but you just yeah, those are the things true. that I pay attention to. Yeah, uh, because yeah. I know if that's wrong, yeah, we're going to be in a, we're going to not in trouble, but I mean we're going to have problems. Yeah, even even if the the body of the story is fine. Yeah, but if we mess the headline up or the artwork or the you know the lead, if we mess that up, then we're going to have problems. Even if the story, the rest of the story is okay. So we got to make sure we get that first because that's the first thing. It's the first impression. I mean, you can only make a good first impression with the stories once and you got to get it right the first time. And when you get it right, that can lead to the 26% growth. Exactly. All the, exactly. The, the, the and that's, that's yeah. one of the things that we addressed was better headlines. Um, yeah. There were, when I got here, there were a lot of abbreviations in headlines that people didn't know and acronyms and things like that. I'm like, yeah. stop it. It's, we're not doing print. We don't have yeah. a space constraint. Yeah. We do have somewhat of a space constraint because you want it to fit in a, you know, tweets and, uh-huh. Uh, you know, Facebook, uh, you know, previews and Twitter cards and all that stuff, but stop that. You know, we, we yeah. can, we can write out Georgia. We don't have to, you know, uh, abbreviate it GA yeah. or yeah. something like yeah. that. Well, Jonathan, this has been super, super insightful from a well, thanks, uh, executive, uh, executive oversight on change management, on leading creatives and releasing, and yet still being able to, to, to shoot straight with folks. And there's really, really, I know our audience is going to appreciate what you've had to share. What, um, 
Um, what is one book or blog, or I, I can tell you're a reader, I'm a reader, but what's, what's something you've been reading recently that you can recommend to our audience? Well, I, I went on vacation last week, so I was, um, did a lot of you. driving, yeah. you know, a lot of driving back and forth. So when I drive, I like to listen to audiobooks. Uh-huh. So I've got an Audible account. My wife uses it too. She likes a bunch of, she listens to a bunch of, I don't know, like Bridgerton or stuff like that. I don't know. She's all into that. But, um, but I, I was listening to the uh, biography of George Washington. It's, it's mm. rather lengthy. I've been working on it for a few months, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> trips that I take. But uh, that is probably one of the most fascinating biographies that I've read. Um, just That's because not by is it? Yeah. Well, no, 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 not McCullough. Uh, Chernow. Okay. Okay. So the Washington biography by Chernow. Uh, I did his Grant one, Hamilton, um, okay. I, and I'm on I'm on um, Washington now, and yeah. it's been very fascinating because we have this, and, and this is kind of the, um, the the cool thing about it is we've got this lionized view of George Washington. I'm not saying it's not appropriate, but mm-hmm. at the same time, he was really flawed. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it, he had a lot more in common with us today than we think he did uh, mm. as far as his flaws as a leader, his mm. flaws as a general. I mean, he wasn't very, he was not a very good general. Mm. Um, I mean, he, he got bailed out a lot and there was just a lot of things that happened circumstantially that, that helped him along the way. And I mean, he did have some big victories, but a lot of them came from him listening to his lieutenants rather than him being the one, like his instinct was this, somebody mm-hmm. else had this and he wound up going this way and it worked out where it would have mm-hmm. probably not worked out if he followed Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just a lot of things like that. He was a very good leader of men, mm-hmm. but he may not have been the best tactician. It was, it was mm-hmm. fascinating. So when I've been reading, I've been reading, you know, listening to the audiobook. does mm-hmm. that count as reading by the way? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. We can't, yeah, we'll count it. All right. We'll count it. Um, <laughs> I've been reading this book and it's been very fascinating to see that, you know, these people that, and I think we know this in general, we, we say this whenever we see these leaders that are, we think they're just so great and they fall or they do, you know, something yeah. and just like throw it all away. And we're like, Oh, you know, I never had any idea. George Washington is the same way. Yeah. We've lionized yeah. him in our culture and our history books and everything. And you start yeah. kind of peeling back those layers. Like we talked about earlier. It's yeah. like, there's a lot there. There's a flawed man that, that really yeah. had a lot of insecurity in certain areas. Um, and, and it's just been, it's been really revealing. Hmm. And it's a good reminder, I think, that no matter how good or important we think people are, they're probably struggling a lot like we are. And, yeah. and as Christians, I think that's something that's really important, at least it is to me, that we, we see the humanity in other people and not just yeah. the um, like the, the greatness that is portrayed upon them. Um, yeah. there, there are struggles. They do. And we all have struggles. We all have uh, flaws that we're, we're fighting uh, over, yeah. you know, internally. Um, and it's just a good reminder, even in somebody who has been lionized by our culture, by our history, by our textbooks, by our schools, as you know, the greatest president or the greatest leader, the greatest general, he wasn't a very good general of people. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's been really enlightening. So, but it's also, I think it's, it's really encouraging that, you know, if you, he was very persistent mm-hmm. and very, you know, mm-hmm. he, and he listened to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of life lessons in that biography um, yeah. of Washington. So that's, that, man, that's really good. That's, it reminds me of two things. One is something I tell my kids. Another thing I tell my kids often when we're 
seeing somebody on television or watch somebody on YouTube or whatever and said, you know, that's uh, the, that person puts on their pants one leg at a time, just like you do. Yep. You know? And I'm the book I'm reading right now is lead by uh, trip, Paul trip. And it's really okay. about developing leadership communities that, that can have that kind of transparency. And we, we go, we need to go in with the assumption that, yeah, we're human. We're going to struggle. We're going to, we're going to have yeah. challenges with sin. And so, not to be surprised, but instead, how do we help each other grow through that and grow, grow, grow through oh, that, wow. even as leaders? I haven't and, seen uh, that. I have to get that. Oh, highly recommend it. I've, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been really good. So cool. Yeah, Jonathan, how can people get a get a hold of you, or, or if well, I mean, you directly, or or the ministry you're working with? Uh, yeah, with, I'm uh, pretty easy to find. Um, yeah. SBC.net slash contact. My information's there. Uh, but then also like connect with me on Twitter or Instagram, both of them at Jonathan underscore how that's uh, Jonathan underscore how is the Twitter and Instagram handle. So, you know, Great. hit me up there. I'm, I'm more active on Twitter than anywhere else, but uh, okay. yeah. Okay. So DMs are open. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It's been really helpful, really good. No problem. And uh, um, hope to connect with you again in the future. Thanks, Chad.